Lots of texts coming in on Drew Brees' conversation. Also, Roger Goodell's comments at the podium yesterday. Keep those texts coming. We'll get to them in the second half of this hour. Also, Sports Libs coming up in about 15 minutes or so. But back to the Anthony Davis trade rumors as those heat up. Probably something we'll be talking about until July, I would think. I don't think, like I've been saying, that a deal is going to get done before the trade deadline next Thursday. But I guess we will see. And as promised on into the program comes Dan Feldman of NBC's Pro Basketball Talk, uh, one of the really the best pro basketball writers, NBA writers uh, out there. I, I read his work every day. Dan, welcome back to the program, man. How you doing? Good. How are you? I'm Look, I'm great. Hey, I, I retweeted you earlier this week, so I want to ask you right off the top here. I said, man, I love Dan, uh, one of my favorite uh, writers out there, but I disagree with your take on the tampering rule. You said uh, no big deal that um, Rich Paul and Anthony Davis made some comments here, so I just wanted to uh, give you a chance here to kind of explain to everybody your take on it. Sure. Well, first, thanks for all these these kind words. Anthony Davis wants to leave the Pelicans. He doesn't plan to resign. Those are facts. That's the situation. Uh, Once that becomes true, I don't have a problem with him sharing that publicly. I think fans, people invested in the Pelicans, people who buy tickets, uh, they should know how their star player feels about the team. I, I don't think it's good, inherently good to keep that a secret. Now, I wouldn't have a problem if Anthony Davis wanted to keep that private, keep that to himself. That'd be fine, too. But I just see it as his choice. And what particularly gets me is that if Rich Paul had gone to a reporter and said, hey, can I give you something? Can I tell you something? But you can only cite me as an anonymous source. And then said the same thing, that Anthony Davis wants to be traded, that he won't sign a contract extension. There would have been no fine. There would have been no problem. But because he put his name on it, because he owned up to it, then the league has a problem. I, I just That's what I particularly dislike, is that when, when somebody is open and transparent and honest about how they truly feel, that's when the league steps in. If they go through back channels and hide it and say it through anonymous sources, even though it's still true, then the league gives them a pass. So what about Rich Paul in the report saying that he's going around to the front offices elsewhere across the league and saying, well, Anthony Davis isn't going to sign long-term with your team, so don't trade for him? You know, again, I think it's the same idea of that's how Anthony Davis feels, and it's worth sharing. That it's better for those teams to know. Anthony Davis probably wants to get to the Lakers. I think that goes all the way back to why he hired Rich Paul. I I don't think he was dead set on leaving New Orleans at that point, but he's smart enough to know that Rich Paul has this Lakers connection, that that's going to be part of the appeal of having Rich Paul as your agent. And if you want to make that happen, I I think it's worth telling teams that, no, I would have a huge problem if Anthony Davis refused to play for the Pelicans or refused to play for a team that traded for him. By all indications, that's not the case. He's just saying, when I become a free agent, I'm going to leave. Uh, he might play very well for those teams. He probably would uh, play very well for those teams in the interim, and it's up to those teams to decide whether they value having Anthony Davis for the next year and a half, whether they think they can change his mind. Uh, but they should know what they're getting into, and I think it's fine to have that open and honest communication beforehand. So we may disagree a little bit on uh, the tampering rule and how it's enforced. I I think, and I would assume we agree, that the the NBA is strongest when it works in 30 markets here. So how how would the league then, let's say there's no tampering rules and you just get rid of them if they're draconian, uh, maybe you're right here, like you say, how do they protect the 28 market or 22 markets that aren't in, you know, L.A., Chicago, New York? 
and make things equitable so the league actually works. Well, maybe we need to protect the markets in Los Angeles and New York. I, I just don't see this as a huge problem. The Knicks have been bad for quite a while uh, until just recently. The Lakers have been bad for quite a while. The Bulls are in a downtrodden stretch in the third biggest market. I, I don't think market size guarantees you anything. It does give you more leeway, no question. If you're willing to spend more, you do have more margin for error. A team like the Pelicans that, that basically never goes over the luxury tax does have less margin for error. And to me, that's just part of it. If you're not willing to spend, those are the consequences. I don't have a huge problem with it. I don't think all 30 markets need to be on an equal footing. I agree with you that there needs to be some competitiveness across it. And the number one thing the league does is the draft. Uh, if you are a bad team, you have higher, you have a better chance of getting a high draft pick. The Pelicans got the number one pick in the exact right year when there was a superstar player available. They got Anthony Davis. That gave them a window. I think that was a tremendous opportunity. Uh, there were some great moments. That, that sweep of the Trailblazers was fantastic. Uh, there were definitely some good moments. But overall, the Pelicans failed to build a consistent win around Anthony Davis. I think that's ultimately on them. I think they were protected by the league and still couldn't get it done. Yep, well, I agree with you there. It's been a disaster here. And Del Demps, he still has his job today, I think, is just absurd nonsense. Uh, Talking to Dan Feldman of uh, NBC's Pro Basketball Talk. And um, I I guess it's just become to the point here when you have guys under contract – now, every year, multiple guys saying they don't want to play in city X, Y, or Z, and they want to go, usually it's to Los Angeles or Miami or whatever the team is. The losers in this, again, are the 22 other markets. I mean, my goodness, you have Lonzo Ball, who's the second-year player. Apparently, he's coming out and say, well, if I get traded to uh, New Orleans, I'm not going to play. Like, this is the point we're at. I understand. I mean, we're, I'm in a, a, an industry where I can't go when I'm under contract and go to a competitor. So I'm under contract that's written in. I can't go to a competitor right now. It's not just the NBA players that are on. This has happened in a lot of industries. So I just don't I, – where's the line here? How, how do we get to a point where if you're under contract, you've got to play for the city that you're in. You can't just basically hold out and um, force your way to whatever city you're in or you want to play in. So – so with Lonzo Ball, uh, maybe maybe there's been more that you've seen that I haven't, but I believe what I've seen so far is not that he says he refuses to play. He's just trying to make a little noise and put out word that New Orleans is not where he wants to go. But if the Pelicans trade for him, he's going to show up and he's going to play because he has no choice. Like you said, he's a second-year player. He's got a couple of years left on his rookie skill contract. Then he's going to be a restricted free agent. He is not in a position to really do anything. He doesn't have the leverage. He can make noise. But I really think ultimately he would show up and play and play hard and and just deal with it. It might not be ideal to him, but I do think he would show up and play and deal with it. Uh, So I I don't know if that line needs to change. I don't really think there are examples of – players refusing to play what I think sometimes you see on the flip side uh, which is part of the reason I'm particularly pro player on issues like this Anthony Davis has put out word that if not traded he wants to play for the Pelicans again before the all-star break he wants to to play in the all-star game Uh, and I'd assume if he wants to play for the Pelicans before the all-star break he's also wants to he also wants to play for them after the all-star break Uh, reportedly the Pelicans are considering shutting him down for the rest of the season uh, to protect their asset so that maybe they can make a trade with the Celtics or whomever else in the offseason and so they can tank and get a higher pick there's some logic to that but that's not really fair to Anthony Davis who's in his prime and wants to play I think more often than you have players not playing getting to that extreme you have teams shutting down veteran players who are good enough who are ready to play uh, because they're tanking 
is there another example of this in a, in a guy who forced uh, forces his way out, which is essentially what Anthony Davis is doing, where um, I guess the team does. I mean, I'm just, I guess, thinking of the Kawhi Leonard situation last year, and that was certainly a lot uglier, at least right now, than the one here is. I guess I just never thought of this as a problem with the Pelicans. I mean, if Anthony Davis says he doesn't want to play for your franchise anymore, I'm like, okay, well, that's fine. That's your prerogative. But don't the Pelicans have a right here to say, okay, you're not going to play or you're not going to play? Yeah, so I, I do think Anthony Davis's trade request complicates this one, absolutely, and, and it, it gives the Pelicans more leeway in my mind. But as far as I know, he did not say, like, I refuse to play for the Pelicans. He told them the truth, which was, I do not plan to resign here, and I would prefer to be traded now. Just because you'd prefer to be traded doesn't mean you're not going to show up to work, not give it your all while you're there. Uh, you know, maybe you, I know I have, I, I'm sure a lot of your listeners have at different points had jobs that they prefer not to be in. They prefer to be in a different job. That doesn't mean they don't work hard at the job they're in in the meantime. And I've seen no indication that Anthony Davis would, would lollygag and sulk the rest of the season if that's what it came to. It seems more likely that it's from the Pelicans' end that one wants to shut him down. I mean, the biggest example of this, and this was not complicated by the player making a trade request, but the Suns shut down a few years ago Eric Bledsoe mm -hmm. late in the season. Uh, they were tanking. They wanted a higher draft pick, but he was ready to play. He was a, a player entering the prime of his career, playing well. He wanted to go, and they just didn't want him to play. That's how players get treated more often than I think players actually refuse to to render services to teams. Now, I'm usually, and, and I still am pro player on this. I've said on this show all week long, if Anthony Davis thinks that you know he wants to go play for a winner somewhere else, that's his prerogative here he's given six and a half years to this franchise uh, you go play and you uh, uh, progress in your career the way you want to progress I don't have a problem with that so now the Pelicans are going to try and to find a suitor and the best possible deal for Anthony Davis the thing that is if I find a little bit laughable here is the Lakers stance on this and this is LeBron and and Rich Paul and Magic Johnson pulling all the strings behind the scenes to try to make it seem like well you know, it's the Lakers are bust here. The Lakers are – they're trying to act like the Lakers can provide the best package of players and picks, which I find a little laughable here, considering this summer you're going to have the Celtics enter and all of a sudden the price is going to get driven up. So uh, is it just me, Dan, or should the Pelicans, their smartest decision be to wait till the summer, till the Knicks and the Celtics and everybody else gets involved? You know, I'm not sure. I'm not sure what each of those teams are offering. I, I get the idea of waiting for Boston. The Celtics can theoretically put together the best offer. They have the best assets, and if they push all of them in, I don't think there's another team that can catch them. But I don't know if the Celtics are willing to push everything in. There's a risk in waiting for them. What if, what if Jason Tatum has an awesome postseason to the point where they're hesitant to trade him for Anthony Davis, uh, especially if Anthony Davis sticks with this stance that he wants to go to the Lakers? I think Boston would try and trade for Anthony Davis, hope for the best to re-sign him. But if there is that risk he could leave, if that risk seems significant, the Celtics might not put in their very top assets. But everybody knows that Boston offer, whatever it is, it's going to be good. Whatever it is, it's hanging out there. And that's influencing offers at the deadline. The Lakers know that they have to beat this theoretical Boston offer right now. And maybe they will. Maybe they won't. I mean, I do like the Boston players more. But if the Lakers push everything in, if they put in – you know, Kuzma and Lonzo Ball and Josh Hart and multiple future first-round picks and Brandon Ingram and every piece, 
that's probably a better offer than waiting for the Celtics. Now, I don't know if the Lakers are willing to push all that in, but I'd be talking to them, listening, and trying to assess that. Yeah, it's a good point there. I just wonder here. The, the clock is obviously ticking uh, on LeBron James's career. Uh, he, uh, assuming he comes back healthy, he's still almost the player he has been his entire career. But, look, he's going to be 35 next season, 36 the season, when Anthony Davis, after he becomes a free agent, could sign in Los Angeles. So is there a little desperation from L.A.'s side to make sure this deal gets done this season while the window's still open here to possibly win titles? There absolutely should be, and that's where this gets really interesting to me. So if if the Celtics are trying to get the Pelicans to wait, and the Celtics say, yeah, we'll put in Jason Tatum, we'll, we'll trade you Jason Tatum, and the, Celtics, and the Pelicans say, okay, sure, we'll wait for Jason Tatum, we think it's worth it, uh, and the Celtics only do that because they need to beat the Lakers offer right now. Well, after the season, the Lakers could easily say, well, look, we want Anthony Davis for the 2019 playoffs. We missed out on that. He's not as valuable to us. We're lowering our offer. And then what if the Celtics say, well, shoot, the Lakers are lowering their offer. We don't even need to put in Jason Tatum uh, because the Lakers offer is not as competitive. Uh, So we'll offer you something based on Jalen Brown and Marcus Smart and some draft picks. It'll still be nice. And, you know, those offers can drop. The Lakers' urgency is part of what's driving this. Everybody's focused on this potential Celtics offer, and that's a big piece. But the Lakers' urgency to have Anthony Davis for the 2019 playoffs, I think, is also a major driver in what New Orleans can get. Well, it's an incredible soap opera, and it is one that will be watched play out, I think, in, until this summer. And I guess we'll see what happens here. Dan, always appreciate the insight, man. Uh, we'll talk to you again soon. Thanks so much. Sounds good. Thanks for having me. All right, Dan Feldman of NBC's Pro Basketball Talk. You can find uh, his work there. And, yes, the Anthony Davis saga just getting started here. We're only, what, six days into it, five, six days into it. We'll take a break. When we come back, it's Sports Libs right here on WWL.